0: podcast Here is your host Joe Bees. Here we are, episode
1: 14. Kylie's back with me from the Spackler. I didn't give any updates on the Facebook page, but he did not join a cartel and actually just told me that the podcast life probably would give it a little more longevity. wouldn't die as soon, but he's not going to make as much money. seems fair seems fair. So, Kylie was at the, is it the Carl Spackler? Open.
2: Carl Spackler Open, yes. Yep. So, that's like a huge golf tournament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want me to dive right into it? Yeah, go right? ahead. Um, yeah, it's, this was the 20th annual. Um, I've only, this was only my third time doing it, so I don't know... I don't know everything ins and outs about it but i've learned quite a bit about the history a decent amount about the history of it and i can kind of let you know what i know and um i mean we had a good time we were the being that it was the 20th annual they did it a little bigger this year normally it stays more in our area a little bit with and you know within i don't know five to ten hours driving distance this was in farmington new mexico so we flew out there um and it was a good time. We all had a blast. Uh but oh, to give a little history, it started um from what I understand, Greg Wong is the one that he's like the main guy that serves. It. He's originally from Warren um and he he's got he's got I believe three brothers. I've met Brian and Kevin. I haven't met Chad, but I believe Chad is also his brother. Um and um and they you know, Greg started this thing, you know, twenty some years ago. From what he said, I've golfed with him twice. He said that uh he he always liked fantasy football and stuff way before the online stuff and 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 he he would get frustrated because though with injuries and stuff that he had no control and so he said that he like said why not like a fantasy golf thing? So that he kind of started this and it's got this he came up with a point system for it and it's it's in a way it's like from what i understand like a steeplechase kind of
1: Um, so so you like you score
2: points based off what you shoot that hole correct and your handicap correct yeah it uses handicap to create a, a point system for for your scoring and like for me for say i get nothing for double bogey but for bogey i get two points for par i get five Birdie, I got ten, and and that can change if you start golfing, you know, better. Or if you, it's based off of a lot. Like if you get a lot of like pars, then your par score will go down. Or if you get a lot of bogeys, and your bogey score. So, will go down. so this
1: guy's down there to party, but it sounds like he's got some paperwork to do while he's down there too, because he's got to watch people's scores and then fluctuate how many points. Yeah, well,
2: well, Greg doesn't. Well, it's all. No, I'll get into that a little bit. It's it's all Brian, his brother Brian. Um, is like the tech guy. He, uh, okay. he built a whole website for it and there's mobile scoring and it does all that stuff automatically. There's a system that where it generates all that automatically into it. So once the scores are entered, it automatically does all that stuff. And that's what's so cool about it now, which they didn't have originally, is that the mobile scoring is hole by hole. So somebody in your foursome is entering the score Every play. every play as you oh, hold, wow. and you can get on your phone and look and see how you're doing hole by hole through the, through the whole tournament, which That's, is really cool.
1: That is cool, but at the same time, it'd be like putting more pressure on yourself too. A little you, bit yeah.
2: if you're if you're playing it that competitively. And I will say also, Greg Greg is not he doesn't really go partying that much. He he he's pretty much there to run the tournament and there. There's like a select few guys that take it a little more seriously and are there to run the tournament. And, like, and, and Greg being one of them, like, he's not saying he doesn't drink at all or anything, but he, you know, he he's more there to make sure things are running smoothly for sure. And, but, um, so like, I've done the first one I did was in Mountain Valley, um, in Pennsylvania, um, yes, that was in Pennsylvania, it was Mountain Valley Golf Course, um, down by Philadelphia area, um, and then. The second one I did was in Michigan. That was in, that was the one pre-COVID year, right? Yeah, and then we were supposed to, last year, we were supposed to go to New Mexico. It didn't happen, so there was actually a year lapse, and then we went to Farmington this year. But, yeah, I'm going to, that's something I want
1: to do in the future, is get into that tournament, because it sounds like fun, and I know there's like, what, 10, 10
2: guys around here to go, give or take? 10 to 20, I would say, in that range. I mean, I don't know. We probably had a little less than normal this year. Bunch from Ohio. Yes. Well, that, yeah, that's Greg grew up here. So there's a group from here. And then he worked for a while in Columbus, Ohio. So there's a big group of guys from Columbus, Ohio that he met. And then there's just kind of spread out. There's some guys from Florida. There's some guys from Michigan. There's some guys, you know, it's just kind of how many total
1: were at the tournament? There was
2: 70 this year, which. The, I think the most they've had is, I want to say it's 96, I think is the most they've ever had. But when I was coming not,
1: off COVID year, though, probably numbers down a little bit and then it'll go back up maybe next year. Uh, I think it was
2: more the distance it was away more than anything. I oh, think yeah, it was, yeah like,
1: that's true. I think, I think that
2: was more than anything what it was, if I were to guess, which great. It was just a bigger commitment to do that fly all the way out there. Right. Um, which Greg, when I golfed with him in this one and he said that he really liked the group we had because he knew that everybody was, that was there loved Spackler and was very committed to it. Right. So he, he knew the guy, the group we had were very committed Spackler guys. Whereas sometimes if they get a little close to Columbus or a little close to Warren, they get some first, a lot of rookie, like first right. time guys that just come along, which isn't a bad thing. He doesn't, no, he doesn't hate that or anything. It's just, it's just he knew that everybody that was there was a committed spackler guy. <laughs> That's pretty
1: cool. And you made it back in one piece. Yeah. And you posted some cool photos of uh where the hell were you out in the desert somewhere?
2: Yeah, it, I mean it was in New Mexico. I mean it was yeah. You leave there. There's a couple towns right there, like in the valley. And if you if you leave even like 15 minutes and get on the highway, it's just all desert, and it's just. And Justin and I, yeah, we the one day I think it was Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday. Friday night, everybody got pretty tore up. <laughs> and Saturday during the day, it was like 3 o'clock or so, everybody was taking a nap in the hotel. And Justin and I, we weren't, though. We weren't, we so you were, guys were already done golfing for the day? That yeah, night? this was Saturday after, yeah, everybody came back from the course. And they took a nap because everybody got pretty tore up Friday night and they are feeling a little rough. So Justin and I, though, we we were feeling fine. And and, uh, yeah, there was a place called angel peak that it was only like 25 minutes away. We drove out to it. It was pretty cool. Photos. Was, those were very, it was very cool. And I
1: talked to t- neighbor Tim. And of course he said that, uh, that the course was like scenic as hell, like mm-hmm. desert pushed up right, you know, yep. on either side of you. Yep. That's not good for those left or right golfers like me. <laughs> Although I have a lot of experience hitting out of the sand,
2: so I might've been Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah, you come off the rough at all. It's just yeah, just sand. It's just big sand, yeah. Well that's cool. And we're glad to have you back. We
1: got a few things to touch on here in the opening segment. Not a ton, but uh NBA playoffs. They're marching along. I think they're in the conference finals for both. Yeah, they are. I talked about that last week. But the thing that I've noticed about NBA playoffs so far this year that I'm sure you've noticed too, being that you are a big sports fan, is the blown leads. Have you seen how many blown leads there have been? been there, especially
2: so, towards the end of the se- uh, conference semifinals. Yeah, and that's th- two or three of So, them so like, I made sure some notes.
1: Sixers-Hawks game four. Sixers have a 13-point halftime lead. They lose by three. Game 5 Bucks Bucs-Nets. Bucks 16-point halftime lead. They lose by six. This was the big one. Game five, Sixers-Hawks. Sixers have a 22-point halftime lead. Stretched it as far as 26 in the third, and they lose by three. And then the Jazz Clippers, Jazz have a 22-point halftime lead, and they lose by 12. Just going back to, like, just playing defense, the fucking basics of basketball, and you have this huge lead, and they – None of them can could seem to seal the deal, and both of those teams. Well, the Bucks moved on, but Sixers had two. You know, that's two opportunities. They went into Game Seven and lost, and then uh, Jazz, which did they go? To, I don't remember if they went to Seven or not. I don't think they did. No, no. they lost four to two. Yeah, but yeah, that's. I mean, and that's the an elimination game, right? Game Six. They're up 22 and they get smoked. Yeah. So it's like, I just was at a loss for that. And a couple of those I had money on, namely the Sixers 22 point lead that I was like, ah, cruising. Yeah. Right to the fucking teller's window to cash in my ticket. <laughs> nope. Denied. Yeah.
2: I think in general in NBA, you see a lot bigger like runs and like, and like, comebacks and stuff like that big leads and stuff and then blown in general just i I think it might go hand in hand with the way where the the game has become a lot more about spacing and shooting so it can go hot and cold with your shooting because guys are shooting a lot more threes now than ever before so you can get hot for a couple quarters or something and then you go ice cold on shooting you know what i mean yeah way easier when to go that hot and cold when you're shooting from distance like that
1: and i and i think to a lot of yeah i just think teams get comfortable and it's just kind of like well yeah you know we're scoring and and they don't really expect to go ice ice cold to where they're going to not be able to at least match whatever the other team's doing mm-hmm. or you know i i <laughs> did you see the memes uh cuz obviously in this case this is like the first time that Atlanta was on the good end of Coming back from a huge right. deficit, and there was all these memes about uh, the Hawks telling the Falcons to take notes because the Falcons just blow leads all the time. And of course, you know the biggest one was the the Super Bowl there a few years back, where they had the huge lead going, what three minutes left in the third quarter, and Brady did Brady shit and twenty eight three. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, others. Other little bit that we wanted to discuss. Uh, finally, a Bills wide receiver is like worthy that people give a shit about what he has to say, which I was thinking about that too. I'm like, man, when's the last time like a Bills wide receiver in the last like 20 years could do something that could create controversy and still nobody would care because it was a Bills wide receiver. But now that they're pretty good, we have uh, Cole Beasley making some news Uh, being very critical of the NFL and NFL PA insisting he won't follow protocol rules. A couple of quotes from Cole in the Twitter post he put up was he's going to live, live my one life. Like I want to regardless, I'll be outside doing what I do. I'll be out in public. If you're scared of me, then steer clear or get vaccinated. I may die of COVID, but I'd rather die actually living. Another quote is, I'm not going to take meds for a leg that isn't broken. I'd rather take my chances with COVID and build up my immunity that way. I'll play for free this year to live life how I've lived it from day one. If I'm forced to retire, so be it. So that was a huge uh, concern of Bill's fans that I was seeing on a bunch of different posts. Is is Cole Beasley going to retire because of all this shit? We clearly don't want him to because he's good and he makes that offense better but cole's also saying that a lot of players agree with him but a lot of them many of them aren't established veterans and he wants to represent those players and that since he's been critical of the NFL and the NFLPA who made this agreement uh seemingly without a vote or without knowledge of or input from some players uh, Cole has since spoken with the NFLPA, but I haven't seen anything come out about what was discussed. Uh, so if you haven't, uh, for those listeners who haven't seen this, the new restrictions, Um, I mean, I have kind of made a vow to myself that I'm never going to get too, too political on this show because I, if you know me, I hate politics. Like with almost everything that's within me. I just can't stand listening to the us versus you draw a line in the sand. What side are you you on? It's all politics does in this day and age in our country is divide us. And that's the media drives that. It's just unbearable in my opinion. That's why I just watch sports and mind my own business when it comes to a lot of this shit. But the new restrictions are exactly what we thought they would be. It's vaccinated versus non-vaccinated. If you're basically, if you're vaccinated, you can almost go back to what, you know, training camp or or what a regular season would have been 2019. So masks, if you're non-vaccinated, still have to wear one. Weight room limits, uh, if you're non-vaccinated, there can only be like 10 people or less. If you're vaccinated, you have free reign. You can't leave the hotel during travel if you're non-vaccinated. if and uh, Also, you're limited on what you can do with friends and family. You can only hang out with friends and family who are vaccinated. Uh, if you have a high-risk exposure, non-vaccinated, you will be quarantined. Vaccinated, you will not be quarantined. So the NFL is really... Kind of singling out, uh, I'm not going to say singling out, but they're trying, they're, they, they drew the line. They put the line in the sand and they said, which side are you on? Here's my kind of issue with the entire thing. If you have to wear, if you're non-vaccinated, you have to wear a mask on the sidelines during a game, whatever. So let's say we get to week one and we know how the media is. These cameras are going to be highlighting guys on the sidelines wearing masks. And what that's going to do is it's going to get all the pro vaccinated in your face online people who think that I need to tell you how I feel and you need to believe how I feel and and basically force their opinion on you. These NFL players are going to go through hell this season on social media, the ones who choose not to get vaccinated. Because they're going to be on camera on the sidelines wearing a mask and there's going to be somebody, probably a lot of people, sitting there taking notes, taking pictures of their television with uh, Cole Beasley on the sidelines wearing his mask, which sounds like Cole's not going to, but let's just use him as an example. Cole wearing his mask. Somebody's going to pause their direct TV, take a picture, post it on the Internet. Oh, this guy, he wants to kill grandma. He doesn't care about anybody else. And it's just going to be a ridiculous. I I, I really think it just opens the door for a whole lot of bullshit. And like Cole said, he's going to he'd be willing to retire if he needed to, which I hate hearing because I don't want that. But there I mean, these are also human beings and they do see the shit online. They do get sensitive to it. And I think that. A lot of these players are going to be driven toward either, I I mean, maybe get driven toward getting a vaccination or get driven towards, you know what? I don't need this bullshit because all of the mudslinging that's going to take place within, you know, because of their choice. And I just don't, I mean, I've been on the same track since day one with all of this where and we've discussed this before in a past episode, where I am—I support the player who wants to get one. I support the player who doesn't want to get one because I think that it is their choice ultimately. And I'm not in any position to be judging somebody's, you know, medical choice. Yeah. So, do you have any input on that?
2: Um, not. I don't really have <coughs> much input. I just—I know. I think from. From what I understand from the NFL standpoint, it's all a money thing. They want things to be back to normal as much as possible because it just means more money for them. Right. So I think that's the main point for them, I guess, is what people are saying, which I guess I can see that side of it. Uh, all, everything's always money. So, I mean, and it as far as that's driven, I can see that. And I, I uh, like you said, I in the most part, I just kind of want to stay out of it. I mean, I have – some of my opinions, but I'll just some of the stuff is just better, like you said, keep to yourself, type right? Thing,
1: <laughs> yeah. I just don't, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that. And, and according to Cole, you know, this the NFLPA did not do a good job representing the players as far as this goes, right? Because I do think that there are a lot more of them who feel like Cole than we'll know about, and unlike Cole, who also, is missing a tooth now. Did you see that? mm You didn't see the pictures of Cole Beasley? He's missing a front tooth. Oh, really? He looks like a hockey player. I don't know how it <laughs> happened or when it happened or what, but, yeah, he's missing a front tooth. And he's, like, embracing it in photographs at mandatory minicamp. Like, there's pictures of him smiling, missing the tooth. I thought the first time I saw it, I thought, like, it was just a screwed-up photo. But then I saw more, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's gone. That tooth is not there anymore. <laughs> So, but I just think that there's more, I mean, Cole Beasley's always been outspoken. He was outspoken in Dallas when he was on his way out the door. I remember he was engaging with fans on um, Twitter who were like, oh, you're after he signed with Buffalo and they're like, you signed with Buffalo. Good luck winning anything there. And he wrote back, well, I had, I haven't won anything here either. Dallas. (laughs) So what's your, what are you getting at here? But uh, being that he is outspoken, I'm not really surprised that he was the guy who moved forward with, you know, the, the posts that he put up, but I just, I, I kind of believe Cole when he says that there's a lot more of him out there. They just aren't willing to put their necks out because I mean, look what Cole's going through. If you read the comment sections on those pages, uh, people just get the fucking shot and I'm, uh, you know, of course that's the one kid I saw said that had like 112 Facebook friends and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you're the guy he's going to be taking medical advice from. (laughs) Probably not, but it's just, yeah, this is a, it's, and here's the other thing too. I could see this changing these protocols. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time we get closer to season, they're loosened even more because I think that that's, if you, you know, I've kind of paid attention to how these restrictions have gone. They just seem to get looser, 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 looser. And I know there's, you know, they're looking at the vaccination rate, I believe, you know, the percentage of how many people or whatever. But uh, I just, and I'm with you on the money thing. But when I look at it that way too, all that tells me is that the NFL really doesn't give a shit about player health. And I don't know if they ever have really, yeah, right. Well, sure, yeah, sure, but they don't care about player health. And this is, yeah, more about the states say this is what we need to do
2: to make more money, to make
1: more money, yeah,
2: which is usually always the case with them, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I don't know, we'll just have to see how you know if the restrictions stay the same, though. I, I am predicting that you know, you're going to see players with masks on the sidelines and fans and media are going to identify them based off of that alone as unvaccinated and that they're going to go bananas on them because everybody, you know, it's everybody's business who, who does this and who doesn't, and it's just insane to me. And while we're on the topic, uh, I know in a past episode, I don't remember which one at this point. We're getting so far along now that I can't remember, which is a good thing. But in a past episode, we talked about how the Bills, well, that uh, the Erie County Commissioner or Chairman or whatever the hell he is in in you know Buffalo Orchard Park area, had said that you had to be vaccinated to go to a Bills game. Where Cuomo came in and was like, "No, uh, I make that call," and whatever. Well, he's totally backpedaled. If you saw the the news that came out on that, where now uh, Highmark Stadium, which is – is this its first year it's called that or second year?
2: First year? I think – did they – I don't remember if they got it in the middle of the year. Yeah, I can't remember I, it right. might They might have got the rates in the middle of the season. So, Orchard Park, they're allowing full – or they're going to have full
1: capacity – And now it's vaccinated and unvaccinated, whereas that, you know, that guy, the politician in Erie County first made the public statement that it will be vaccinated fans only. uh, That quickly got put to rest. And now it's, you know, whoever can go can go or whoever wants to go can go. And I'm sure there will be still, you know, restrictions on that. But again, we're still, what, three, three months away. Before any of that will happen. So who the hell knows what the restrictions will be by then. But yeah, I just hope that, based off of all of this. I mean, if Beasley's right about all these other guys and if they don't want to live that way, like they're, you know, they just can't, won't, don't want to do it. It could turn into, you know, a little exodus of players in the league. Maybe I doubt it, but. It could. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, the leagues, the li, li, the money thing with the league, I mean, they, with CTE, they brushed that under the rug for as long as possible. And, and then when the COVID, when COVID last year, I mean, they kind of just, I mean, all the other, what, NBA shut down and other leagues shut down. And the NFL was kind of the one that just, they just kind of pushed along through and kind of just, you know, you know, ba- basically, you know, they just kind of, said, screw it we're just going to go with it and hopefully things work yeah, out yeah i think you I, right. I, and I, again i like I, people questioned the player safety thing and stuff and if it was a good idea and and you know the I mean? But for them i think again it's just money yeah. there was too much money on the table for them to not do it
1: well yeah i mean they <laughs> were they were so dead set on getting all of this like making it happen that we watched football games on Wednesday nights Mm -hmm. because they would just move the schedule. We're going to get this game in, you know, and obviously there was some teams who got kind of fucked in that regard because who who was it? The Broncos played that one game, like without a quarterback. Yeah. Meanwhile, somebody else has an outbreak. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get you rescheduled to here. And then, yeah, I remember that game because yeah, it didn't like a wide receiver who played quarterback and, College. Yeah, Kendall Hinton, I, I think, think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Who started it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. So maybe had the Broncos' record been a little better, they would have given a shit. But I think they were playing the Saints, maybe or something. I can't remember. But
2: That sounds
1: right. Yeah, I think they were playing the Saints. And it was like, it's still, you know, I don't know. I was surprised that they gave all these other teams the benefit of the doubt and then were like, no, nah, Denver, you're good. You get out there. Because they were even trying to get the quarterback's coach, who I can't remember who that is either, but it's a former NFL quarterback. They were trying to uh, transition him to the rosters. He was actually going to play that game, but he, they wouldn't. The NFL wouldn't allow it. So we shall see. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. We will be back with this weekend sports history.
0: Hi, this is Chris Rossetti, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about our new website, D9and10sports.com. It's just like the old one, but with the word and in the number 10 added to the end. D9and10sports.com is your new home for District 9 and District 10 high school sports, and we are doing all the things you have come to love from us, plus much, much more. Our goal is the same, to cover every sport at every school in both D9 and D10 in a variety of ways, including writing, video, and audio. If you're a high school sports fan, you need to check out D9and10sports.com today. Let's take a look back at This Week in Sports History.
1: This edition of This Week in Sports History is brought to you by D910sports.com, the home for all thing District 9 and District 10 sports. If you love sports, this is the place to be. So, Kylie, I'm going to start this segment off with a little reading for you, okay? All right. The Buffalo Bills barely lost a game in 1970 by missing on a bad pass for a TD. The loss allowed them to get the first pick in the draft where they took O.J. Simpson. O.J. lived in Buffalo where he met his wife Nicole and allegedly killed her. He then hired Robert Kardashian to be his lawyer. They won the case, making the Kardashians somewhat famous. So basically, the 1970s Buffalo Bills are the reason... We have to deal with the Kardashians today because if they would have won that game, that one game, they wouldn't have had the pick. They took OJ with. So he would have never met Nicole and this never and thus never had the chance to kill her, preventing the entire Kardashian family from ever even being a sliver of a subject in modern culture. Damn you, Buffalo Bills. Damn you. You ever heard that before? I have heard that before. It's good, though. (laughs) It's actually not 100% accurate because okay. O.J. was drafted in 1969. Okay. So it would have been the 68 Bills. And uh, reading more into it, he actually met Nicole Brown Simpson in L.A., which is where he spent all of his time in his offseason because he went to USC. So not necessarily true, but still fun to read. You know, the Kardashians suck. So <laughs> it, it's, it was fun. So that leads us to June 17th, 1974, which was this past week in sports history. As the nation settles in to watch Game 5 of the NBA Finals with the Nixon Rockets, on came one of the most watched events in TV history and also launched the Ford Bronco into infamy. The OJ Simpson Low Speed Chase Which most people know about the case. I'm not going to give all the details. I mean, I think a lot of people know about it. But on June 12, 1994, the bodies of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goleman were found outside of Nicole's home. Police went to inform OJ at his home in Brentwood, California, where they found blood on the inside of his white Ford Bronco and a blood trail leading to his house, along with other incriminating evidence. Seems like a pretty rock solid case already, right? To me. Two dead people... Blood here, away from the home. Yeah, it just, to me, seemed pretty good. The truck was impounded. The white Ford Bronco was impounded, and OJ was named the prime suspect. So this is part that I did not know. Five days later, there's the low-speed chase, right, on June 17th, in the white Ford Bronco. Not the same one that was impounded. That was not OJ's vehicle. Did you know that? Mm. I didn't know that either. It's the... It was identical to OJ's. Same exact model, make, year, everything. But it belonged to Al, Al Cowlings, who's the former USC and NFL teammate of OJ's. He borrowed it. No shit, right? Didn't know that. Same car. But everybody thought, you know, that was OJ's white Ford Bronco. It wasn't in the chase. But there, he did own one. The low-speed chase reached over 95 million households. Major networks interrupted its regularly scheduled programming, including the NBA Finals. They halt, they, yeah, came off of that to watch OJ cruising down the strip. So what happened next was one of the most publicized criminal trials of all time. Uh, I was curious as to why he was found innocent. After I read, you know, I know that's always been a hot topic. Like everybody's like, O.J. did it. Everybody knows O.J. did it, right? Consensus? Seems to be. So I looked up some reasons why he was found innocent, found a couple articles I was reading. Uh, They're saying that the prosecution failed to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt, which is what you need for a jury trial. Uh, Police error, which I didn't dive into what those were. That was just one item I saw listed. I didn't see any examples. Payback for the Rodney King incident was another hot topic listed on here. And actually, uh, Lionel Cryer, who was, I think, juror number nine, maybe. I can't remember. But Lionel Cryer, who was a a juror, was a former member of the Black Panther Party, actually raised the Black Power fist to OJ when the innocent uh, verdict was read. And Carrie Bess, who was juror number six, is the one who was on a documentary where she said she believes that 90% of the jury found him innocent based off of his race because of the Rodney King incident. Uh, Lionel Cryer, who I just mentioned, who is the Black Panther member, who has now been, you know, interviewed in different, uh, he did, you know, a couple documentaries as well, or the same one that Carrie Bess was on at least. And Lionel Cryer said that if it happened today, he would change his, his vote on the jury to guilty. So they all know. But back then, it was just kind of like, well. So OJ was no, I mean, obviously, ever since then, too, it's just been one thing after another with that guy. 1997, he loses a civil suit against the Goldman's for wrongful death. Thirty three and a half million he owes them. Uh federal and state judges put restraining orders on him of spending any of his own money. Like he can only buy uh like needs. Like you pay your rent, you can pay your electric bill, you can buy groceries, don't go to the casino, don't go to the bar. Like they put a restraining order on him because he owed so much money to all these people. Two thousand one he was charged with simple battery and burglary in a road rage incident in Florida. Two thousand two he got this was a good one that I'd never heard of this before. He got a, a, a charged with water speeding through a manatee protection area. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even know this existed. But I don't live near a coast, so that probably makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. In 2004, DirecTV took him to federal court for using illegal electronic devices to pirate and signal his broadcast. He didn't have any money to pay for DirecTV. He's paid off the Goldman's. Let the guy watch some TV. Can't go out and spend shit. Judge said he couldn't. Thirty three thousand more. He, owes, he owed the track TV. So the bills are adding up for this guy. Two thousand seven. That's the most recent that everybody, most people, have heard about. Palace Station Hotel and Casino in Vegas. Let a group of men into the hotel room and stole sports memorabilia at gunpoint, and he was held at his prelim on all twelve counts. When 2008, he violated his bail and was extradited back to Vegas from Florida after he attempted to contact a co-defendant. So obviously, he wasn't, you know, the the bail restrictions were, you know, a list a mile long, I'm sure. But one of them was don't talk to the people who we arrested in connection to your case. And he tried that. Later that year, he was found guilty on all counts, sentenced to 33 years with parole after nine in uh, 2017. And he was released October 1st. Uh, 2017 so if you're on the twitter world he's very active on there if you're do you follow him
2: i don't know if i do or not follow i think him. i did you should I because it's do. uh
1: it's it's some pretty good stuff i mean he's like uh there was a parody account that came out once he was released and they were basically putting up all these jokes in reference to murder and people thought it was real So I think that's why he actually did get on Twitter because he made a, the real OJ Simpson or whatever. I can't remember what his handle is, but, uh, and he signs off everything yours truly, or he he signs on yours truly. He says, Hey, it's yours truly. And it's, it's all videos. He makes videos of himself, like Mm -hmm. one to two minute videos talking about different sports stuff. Um, he, (laughs) he was all pissed off. Uh, when John Rahm tested positive for COVID, because he had a ten dollar bet on John Rahm to win ninety dollars. And he was <laughs> real real mad that uh Rom didn't get his vaccination and he kinda went off about that. He's like, that shot cost you one point three million dollars and like all this other stuff. But I mean, so OJ now he won the US Open though. Yeah. John Rahm doesn't give a shit. He's, he's golfing really, really well. But uh, like me as a kid, obviously, and you, we don't remember watching OJ play. Cause I don't even think he played when we were alive. Did he? I don't remember when he retired. I don't think so. No, he would have been retired before we were born. But anyways, I mean, he did what? 2000 yards in a 14 game season. He's a really good running back. Mm-hmm. Heisman trophy winner, uh, Hall of Famer, NFL Hall of Famer. And, like my first memories of OJ were when he played in the Naked Gun. Those movies. Did you ever see those movies? Where he's like um, a he's a police I, officer. I've,
3: the, a,
2: I've seen bits and pieces. I've never watched one all the way through. I didn't even know he was in any of them.
1: Yeah, he's so. in uh, at least one or two. I think they made. I don't know. I know he's in the first one. My first memories were the trial and everything. Yeah, so. yeah. He was in Naked Gun. Yeah, and then obviously. Those were all filmed in the early,
2: late 80s, early 90s. So then, you know, then all the trouble began. But as a matter of fact, I don't even think I knew when the trial was going on. I was so young and stuff that he was a football player at the time. I didn't even realize that then.
1: You didn't even realize he was
2: a football player? No. Yeah. When that was going on, when I was, because I was like seven years old or something. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't even know why anybody cares about him. I didn't really know until a few years later. I was like, oh. And then I was like, oh, and he played for the Bells. I I
1: remember them, like, turning it on during school. I think I was in, Mm -hmm. I would have been 10. What, 94, 95? Yeah, I think I was, like, in fifth grade. Anyways, yeah, he, uh, no, I wasn't in fifth grade. I don't know what grade I was in. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, one of the biggest televised trials of all time. And I don't know how prosecution botched it or if it's true what that carry best says, if the jury was just so hung up on the Rodney King incident, but there was no way that they were going to find him guilty regardless of what they learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that I did read some stuff that the judge took the jury out to, Crime scene one being where, you know, the bodies were found. Crime scene two being OJ's house, because that's where they gathered all the evidence from. And that prior to the jury taking the tour of OJ's estate, the defense attorney went in and changed out all the photos that were hanging on the wall to make him appear, you know, like a better person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But obviously there had been a history of domestic violence between the two of them and whatever. But yeah, so. That's this week in sports history. This week in sports history is brought to you by d9and10sports.com, the home for all things, District 9, District 10 sports. If you love sports, this is the place to be. going to take a short break, and we'll be back with things that sting. Jones Pest Control,
0: your hometown pest control company, servicing residential and commercial properties in Warren and surrounding areas since 2015. Sean and his crew will work tirelessly to keep your home or business free of insects to rodents and everything in between. Contact Jones Pest Control at 814-230-9548 and set up an appointment today. And remember,
2: ants, spiders, bees, or mice don't think twice. Call Jones Pest Control, 814-230-9548.
0: Time for the things that sting the worst stories in sports, according to Joe.
1: This edition of the things that sting is brought to you by Jones Pest Control. Ants, spiders, bees, or mice don't think twice. Call Jones Pest Control at 814 230 9548. That's 814 230 9548. So, Kylie and I had planned this segment to be about spider attack and baseball cheating and all the shit that's going on with pitchers, but then the NFL happened yesterday. And all sorts of news was breaking. Uh, So I'm just going to touch a little bit on each of them because there's not a lot of details yet on any of them anyways. They all happened over the weekend. Uh, Arizona Cardinals first-rounder, Zayvon Collins, uh, linebacker out of Tulsa, was arrested for reckless driving in Scottsdale. The 22-year-old was pulled over at 10.04 a.m., going 76 and a 35. He was booked and released for the reckless driving charge. Vikings... I guess interior defensive lineman Jalen Twyman, who was drafted out of Pitt this past season in the sixth round, was shot four times while visiting his aunt in uh, Washington, D.C. Details were unclear of what took place. However, Twyman was in a vehicle uh, when he was shot. He was one of several victims, and his agent spoke out saying that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and a full recovery was expected. Frank Clark, defensive lineman from the Kansas City Chiefs, was arrested in Los Angeles after he was pulled over for a vehicle violation and police saw a submachine gun in plain sight. The charges are based around having a concealed firearm. His attorney, Alex Spiro, said that the firearm belonged to Clark's bodyguard. Clark has quite the criminal history he's building, though, with the 2014 domestic violence incident in an Ohio hotel. And in March of 2021, he had other vehicle, or I'm sorry, firearms loaded in a vehicle. He was charged in that account, too. But we're okay with this one, right, Kylie? That's right. Any Chiefs players? Like, like I said, if I, I hope Frank Clark goes and talks to police and is like, Pat Mahomes is a mastermind running guns. And the ATF gets involved, and he's just banned.
3: <laughs>
1: Sounds good to me. Kelsey, too. Yeah. Sounds like something they do, The Midwesterners. Right. They're nuts. Yep. So, what we're really going to talk about, though, today, like I said, just bits of information came out on that. It was all recent. So, we're going to revisit some of those as, as the court dates unfold, especially Frank Clark. Uh, obviously, Twyman I don't think he's going to get charged with anything. He got shot. But uh, maybe some more details will come out at least. But Frank Clark, we're going to follow that because if he has firearms violation violations from March, they probably haven't gone all the way through the court system yet. So he hasn't even faced, like, whatever going to go on with that. And he's getting more, you know, added to it. So Frank Clark likes guns, sounds like. You know, America. Second Amendment, he likes that shit. He's for it. Or he's not, and they're gonna get guns either way. They don't. They don't care. Mm-hmm. So, on to baseball. Kylie's gonna run through uh, Spider Tack, which is the huge thing going on right now in the league. Uh, pitchers everywhere are upset, and Kylie's
2: gonna tell us why. Yeah, I don't know who's more upset, the pitchers or the batters or who. But either way, yeah, it's a it's a big development. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it by now. But if you haven't, um, um, baseball, I don't know what, what the exact year, but within the last 10 or probably 15 to 20 years has been able to track spin rates with pitches. And uh, that's the big development where, you know, that this past year they've noticed that spin rates um, like on your curve, any pitch really is higher than it's ever been. And it kind of, in that, And then it's kind of coinciding with, oh, what have we had, like six or seven no-hitters already or something? Yeah, and, yeah we're and,
1: like one away from a, a record or right. something like that.
2: And strikeout rates are through the roof, which part of that is, part of the strikeouts and stuff is players' approaches the at hitters. the plate too. Right, I launch think it, angle. A little bit of both, yeah. probably.
1: Contact hitting is kind of going to the wayside, mm-hmm. and it's all about launch angle. Right, these guys want to hit dingers.
2: Yep. So it yeah, it's just a ball. different different approach. Yeah, it's walks and home runs more than anything. But, um, but I mean, this is all obviously contributing as well. Um, yeah, there. It, spider attack is one of the substances, supposedly you know, maybe the most used. I don't know. I think there's guys that are using other stuff as well. But it was developed by a. um uh, what, uh, world's heaviest strongest world's man. strongest man competition to like pick up the boulders right yeah he and it's a very sticky substance like supposedly you just get the, the smallest amount of it and it's like incredibly Um, I've, I don't have any experience with it or anything but just reading up on it and stuff you and, don't
1: use spider tack <laughs> when you pitch slow
2: pitch, slow pitch softball? no I haven't yet maybe I need to look into it is some crazy, <laughs> right. crazy backspin rate going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It might be something I need to look into. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, yeah, there's a lot of guys. Um, Garrett Cole is a big one. There's been some interviews lately with him where he's been asked questions about it. And it there's was bad. There's some, there's some different. Yeah. The, the Cole interview. I, I don't, I don't know what he's supposed to say at the same time too. I don't. I don't know <laughs>
1: he had no idea how to answer <laughs> right yeah i don't did. know how they haven't been like you'd think yankees pr were like listen they're gonna ask this <laughs> right. is what you said right they didn't give him yeah, any no type of coaching no all, he yeah. was fucked from the get-go it was bad i mean he was like but uh, uh what you know spider, spider uh, attack what, um what do you want me to uh and yeah and these <laughs>
2: reporters were just like huh like okay and I don't, I don't know what he could have said where it would have sounded good, even right. anyway. I guess either because I mean at this point everybody kind of just knows. Yeah. The, the 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 proof is in the statistics with the spin rates and stuff, and and the guys are so the umpires now are as of yesterday actually are starting to do routine checks on guys. I they're saw gonna, that they're going Jacob DeGrom yesterday got checked at the beginning of the game, and supposedly they're supposed to do it like every inning or something. And pitching changes and stuff, but they're gonna check like their glove hat and belt. It's like and- going through an airport. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> These guys they're gonna, geez. they're gonna hire TSA to see Yeah. Sit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just baseball just can't get out of their own way. Yeah. The minute they start, you know, gaining traction with popularity again, something like this fucking happens and it's like how like I I just don't
2: I don't know. That's just going to be sports in general, though. I mean, I, everybody's always looking for an advantage. I agree and with it's that. never going to end. No. It, once this is solved, there'll be something else. And it's right. just always, that's always going to be the thing. You know what I mean? Everybody's always looking for a competitive advantage. And and so, I mean, you're just going to have it. It's just part of sports. It'll always be part of sports. It's- so, Ryan Spader, who's an MLB writer,
1: went on a rant on Twitter the other day. And it started out at nighttime. And he actually posted. I have a lot of stuff to say of stuff that I know, but I'm going to sleep on it. I don't know if I'm going So he tweets that. Of course, every, you know everybody's now locked into his Twitter to, for the next morning. So the next morning, he goes on a, a pretty lengthy list of cheating scandals that he's aware of, whether it, and, and it sounds like from what I was reading, it's like players told him about this or organizations told him about it. Mm-hmm. So the list starts off. Kansas city Royals were the first team with a full analytics and video department close by their dugout doing so in 2015, their world series championship year, how they used it. I don't know. That's this is from his tweet. Mm -hmm. He says the Yankees had cameras in left center and right field, all pointing at the pitcher's glove rather than the catcher to pick up his grip so that they could see what type of pitch was coming rather than the sign stealing. They were watching his grip. And he posted with that Aaron Judge's home and away numbers that are drastically different. Judge hits, this is 2017-2018, home average 312, road 256. You know, slugging was 725 versus 531. He also notes that the Dodgers had an employee who was caught setting up cameras at Minute Maid Park wearing an MLB polo shirt when he should have been wearing a Dodgers polo. During the 2017 World Series. And he, then he adds that this one hurts the most for him to say because it's his favorite player ever. But he says Chase Utley was a huge cheater. Doesn't doesn't divulge what he did, but just says he was a big cheater. And this one, he says, as insane as this sounds, I've heard this from multiple players. Adrian Beltre had a buddy with binoculars in dead center who would wave a, a wife beater, a, you know, the white undershirt. He would wave that in the air if Adrian was getting something off speed in 2017. He then puts Beltre's 2017 home and away numbers, which is average 362 away, 271, slugging 586, 489. And then Eric Kratz, which I haven't read into this, but he notes what Eric Kratz, the former catcher, said that the Rockies were like huge cheaters when they were playing well in their World Series, which is what, 2015 or something like that? Clinton Hurdle. Clint Hurdle should have been. The Pirates just avoid cheating scandals by like a year every time. Every they had so many guys. Garrett Cole had spider tack back in the Pirate days. They never would have let him go. They just might be winning some ball games. He also says that the Diamondbacks used a humidor or used humidor balls when pitching and non humidor balls when they were batting at home. Nice. He says he doesn't have a time frame on that, but he's confident that it happened. So, yeah, I mean, he it's just one thing after the other. And the only thing, like I said before, as an Astros fan, the only thing I love about all of this is that it's taken the heat off of them a little bit. And I don't got to hear about it so much. And, and it's funny, you know, the all these fans of these teams who have just given me a rash of shit, and now they're crickets. Except for Abby Crosley. She still lets me know about it every time I see her, which is fine. (laughs) She's a lot. But it's just – I just don't understand how they can't – they just continue to get caught, continue to bend the rules. Um, They banned pine tar as one of the substances for pitchers to use, which is one of the things that a lot of MLB pitchers are mad about because it was legal. They were allowed to use that, and – now they're no longer even allowed to touch that. And apparently there was like, uh, and I got this information this past weekend from actually somebody super knowledgeable, but I'm not going to say who, that there used to be a combo uh, of sunscreen. So they'd put sunscreen on their arm yeah, the, and they would mix that. that with the mm-hmm. pine tar. And it was, they were fine with it. Everybody was okay with it. And pitchers will argue that The batters can use pine tar to get a better grip on their bat. You know, why can't we use at least something to get a better grip on the ball? So, I guess, I I don't know what the answer to all that is. Did you
2: see the Glasnow thing? No. Glasnow, did you see that Glasnow tore his UCL? He's out, like, for the season. And he's blaming the fact that he can't use the substance, That he quit using, yeah, for his last, like, couple starts. He says that. Because he ha- he says because he has to put more stress like more grip on the ball and it co- and it caused him to like strain his elbow. And he could be right. I don't know. All right, I'm not a doctor, but that's what he claimed in an interview. Yeah, is that it them cracking down on the substance? He quit using it, and it put more strain on his elbow. And, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen
1: yeah. There's a ton of. The, the thing is, is now that they've banned everything, that's when all these other pitchers are coming out. Nobody was, just, nobody came out and was like, come on, spider tech was great. Nobody's come out and said that that I've seen. Mm-hmm. But there's been a lot of pitchers who have come forward and said, hey, uh, now we, we get nothing, a rosin bag, that's it. And that doesn't do anything. It just dries their hand. Right? It does a little bit. It, it, it provides it,
2: some stick. It, there's, with substances, I've seen like graphs, what each s- substance does to the spin rates. It's a, it's minute compared to like what the, but it, rosin does help a little bit. I, but it's, but its
1: primary use is to dry their hand from sweat, right? I guess. I That's don't, what I thought it was. Just to, be, they, they pat it to get their hand dry. I suppose. So yeah. that they, you know, the ball doesn't slip out of their hand rather than. Probably, yeah. It's just like I said. It's just one thing after another. And when they start gaining traction and popularity again, then more shit comes out. And and are they just the most attentive league? Does all this shit happen in NFL and NHL? Or are there cheating scandals that we just don't even know about? Like how they're—I mean, I don't know. Aside from Spygate with the the fucking New England cheating Patriots, I'm glad they suck now, but they pissed me off for twenty years of my life. But aside from them getting caught doing that, and Gate, also New England. I mean, BountyGate wasn't even cheating. That was just they're just trying to hurt people. Right, <laughs> New Orleans. Greg Williams. The what was this what was quote? Uh, Kill the head, and the
2: body will die. <laughs> Great. I think it's probably more just the like the dynamics of the sport. There's more opportunity. To <laughs> That's keep what I think too. With baseball. Yeah, because like hockey. Right. Well, How? Yeah. What do you do to do you do? sharpen your skates too thin and to yeah. faster? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you do. Yeah, yeah. I have no clue. <laughs> Put a special tape on NASCAR. Your See, NASCAR <laughs> seems like the most opportunity that it is. and it and I think there, I think there always is. There's always this there's guy is be something because like who was uh, there's always stuff in NASCAR that ends up getting banned it, every year.
1: There every was it Jimmy Johnson who won like a shitload in a row Winston Cups? Yeah. Yeah. And I was always thinking to myself, like, yeah, but the, how could his car be so much faster than everybody else's?
2: Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's part of it, too. But the sport was also different than when they didn't have the playoff. It was easier to – if you were just a good driver, you could be more – You just collect Once points you get it, throughout the year. Yeah. Now it's harder to win consecutively, but like normal like – like all, all every – and I don't know a lot about NASCAR – But no, there's literally things like that that happen, like on a weekly. Guys get caught weekly basis cheating, and then they get their points get taken away and stuff like. But it's just not as popular, so we don't hear as much about it. Or I just I think that's part of it, and I think it's just part of the sport. Yeah, you're just they they are always looking for an advantage, and sometimes they don't pass the post race checks, and then their points get taken away and stuff. Post race checks they do pre and post pre and post. Okay, I didn't
1: know that. Well, it makes sense though because they're. Stopping in the pit, fucking, yeah, right. however many yep. times the race, and they could easily yep. make some
2: changes then. I mean, those guys work quick. I'm sure. Yeah. They- yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. They do, they do both. And if like right now, I know, cause my sister watches NASCAR pretty heavily, uh, Chevys are like the top, like, I think like 10 of the top 12 cars are all Chevys right now. So people, there's a lot of talk right now that something's going, something's on, going with, on with, with Chevy. the Chevy. Yeah. Chad Kanaos is like the big, Chevy guy and he supposedly has figured something out people are saying that they haven't caught on to it yet or something but
1: I'm sure motorheads are like they love that shit.
2: <laughs> right. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Not yeah, I don't I don't hate NASCAR. Mm-hmm. I just never I don't right. watch just don't know it. I don't about the, it. To, usually yeah. watch the Daytona. Mm-hmm. One of my coworkers usually has a Daytona gathering and we'll like do like a a bet where you can draw a name and whoever yep. you get you get and Sometimes it's good. Sometimes, I don't know, but yeah, it just seems like a lot of opportunity there. And it sounds like you said it's exposed frequently. You just, uh, for me, I just don't really hear about it cause I don't follow anything. I think that it's star. just normal
2: and part of the sport too. Right. Like it's just part of it. And it's because <laughs> it
1: just seems like that's starting to become normal in baseball. We're right. just going to start not caring. When we hear about something, we'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Just another one. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, it's still like, to me, I'm still bothered by the Astros thing because never having never watched one of my, you know, I follow two teams religiously. I follow the several sports, but just, you know, my two favorite teams. I don't have a favorite college football team, but I watch a ton of college football. But like my allegiances, you know, lie with Buffalo and with Houston for baseball. And so never watching either of those two win anything. And then finally they win one. And then this all comes out and then everybody just says it's tainted and all that. I don't care. I mean, I do care, but I, to me, it was still a championship. I'm still somewhat happy about it, but it did like, bleh, you know, didn't make it, it doesn't feel as good now. Right. So with all this other stuff coming out, it kind of makes me happy because then now I know it, which if you listen to a lot of even baseball executives and stuff during that time came out and said, yeah, they weren't the only ones but everybody's like, well, they got caught and blah, blah, blah. And now all these other teams are, you know, getting put out there. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel a little bit better. And if you notice the teams being mentioned are teams who are winning the Royals, the Rockies, Red Sox, Red Sox, Yankees, Yankees <laughs> Dodgers. I mean, it's all, and then the, the pitchers, you know, that just brings a whole nother element to the table when it comes to the, the cheating that's going on, but it, Just seems too though that the MLB really like did their best to like jump on this as quick as possible and not let the stories get too out of control, which is probably a good thing as far as you know the sport goes. But now you have players bitching about it, so it's just you can't Mm -hmm. win, I guess. But yeah, all right, that'll wrap up uh, the things that sting. This edition of the things that sting is brought to you by Jones Pest Control. Ants, spiders, bees, or mice. Don't think twice. Call Jones Pest Control at 814-230-9548. That's 814-230-9548. Take a break, and we'll be back with the NFC North version of the Fan Rant. Stick around.
0: This is Ryan Klein, the host of the new pop culture podcast, Me, Myself, and Rye. You can find me on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several other platforms. Special guests, breakaway shows, bonus episodes, cold beers, and a whole lot more. So what are you guys and gals waiting for? Subscribe now to the Me, Myself, and Rye podcast on Spotify or wherever it is that you get your shows and start listening today. world of sports
1: hey everybody welcome back to my hive continuing on with the fan rant we are moving on to the nfc north this week so that means next week afc north so far down the nfc and afc east last week's winner per the facebook vote mike boyd who represented the bills everybody loved that even non-bills fans were pretty thrilled with his answers they were hilarious it was great well well spoken and so congratulations mike you're going to be moving on to uh, whatever we decide to do with it later on when the season goes so we're going to get started here with the nfc north the chicago bears representing the bears david pooh bear rounds david where are you calling from
0: i'm calling from pittsburgh pennsylvania
1: all right so pooh bear you got actually real quick too just so everybody's aware you hear the intros to the segments. This is the guy. It's his voice. This is my voice guy. So, Pooh Bear, three minutes. Why will the Chicago Bears be hoisting the Lombardi Trophy at the end of this coming season?
0: Well, Joe, the reason why they're going to have to do it this year, because if they don't, they're probably not going to do it for the next couple years. The Bears were the most cash-strapped team coming into the draft this year. And they showed it by trading away a couple of their top picks. But it might pay off with their top two picks, Justin Fields, the quarterback out of Ohio State, and Tevin Jenkins, who was listed to be a first-round draft pick out of Oklahoma State, who might help sew up the offensive line. problem with picking Fields this year is that they might be doing it right in the middle of a rebuild they might have to do on the backside with the defense. Uh, right now, the defense, who has been the stalwart for – past four or five years they're coming into situation with contracts with eddie jackson eddie goldman akeem hicks most notably khalil mack coming into the second to last year of his contract and roquan smith who was in the fifth year of his rookie contract smith is probably gonna demand mack type money for max record-breaking contract he signed four years ago So unless the Bears really want to try to pay $50 million next year, and depending on the evolution of the salary cap, the Bears are probably going to have to move on to Mac after this year. And to show how bad the salary cap situation was, before the draft, the Bears had to let all-pro cornerback Kyle Fuller just walk. So the defense is set up, but it's probably going to have to be this year for them. The offense is rolling – I mean, Allen Robinson – is on his franchise tag with the, as a wide receiver, so he's probably gone after this year. Anthony Miller hasn't shown up, and hopefully M- Darnell M- Mool- shoot, Mooney, the Bears late-round pickup lot this year, is going to be able to uh, settle in as the, lo- the wide-receiving core. Uh, David Montgomery is going to be back, and hopefully with a healthy Tariq Cohen to take some of the slack off. There'll be an effective one-two combo at running back. And the two big questions are going to be how well the offensive line can settle in with a couple of rookies coming in with two of the first three picks and exactly how long they're going to wait to take or to start Justin Fields because Andy Dalton is still penciled in as the starting quarterback. But Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, the head coach and the general manager, both have guns to their head this year. So I would imagine, and they're both in a contract here, so they're probably going to have to move to Fields sooner or later. So once again, just getting back to it, we're going to see how fast they're going to move to fields because if they don't do it this year, it might be disastrous how much they're going to have to rebuild the defense coming after this year. So it's looking at it. The youth movement's going to have to come in the youth on both the offensive line and some of the defensive secondary positions. But the biggest question of all, and the best addition the bears might have is the subtraction of Aaron Rodgers from the Packers.
1: So addition by subtraction for the Bears, but for another team.
3: Yeah, I mean,
0: if you think about it, Aaron Rodgers is what's going to decide that division one way or another.
1: I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, if he's not in Green Bay, that team looks totally different. And actually, we're going to have Green Bay's guy on next, so we'll see what he has to say about it.
0: I'm sure he has a lot of nice things to say about the
1: Bears. (laughs) I'm pretty sure his catchphrase is, the Bears still suck.
0: (laughs) Well, as a Bears fan, we got a couple for the Cheeseheads, too.
1: All right. So we are moving on to the Lions, and representing Detroit is Edward Brown. Edward has a tall task to handle here with the Detroit Lions. Edward, where are you calling from?
0: Detroit, man.
1: All right. So you have three minutes or less to explain to me and listeners why the Lions can win the Super Bowl in this upcoming season.
3: Two words, man. Matt Stafford. That guy can throw an egg
0: up a chicken's ass without cracking the shell.
1: Oh, Edward, Stafford plays for the Rams now.
0: Say what? What? Alright. How about Marvin Jones? That guy's an every down pass catcher. Well,
1: Marvin Jones plays for the Jaguars now.
0: No way. Alright, how about this? Kenny Galladay. The guy can catch a fish
3: from a rain cloud.
1: Yep. Edward, Kenny Galladay plays for the Giants now. Fuck. You're, You're striking out here.
3: Well... I guess
0: all I can say is at least we can't do any worse than zero and sixteen.
1: Well, actually, you could because it's a it's a seventeen game schedule now. What? Fuck.
3: Edward. Edward. I think he hung up. He hung up. Yeah. So Edward hung up. All right.
1: Well, that was. Interesting. I think he's a, a little, maybe a year off in uh in the fan rant. Okay. So with the Bears and the Lions down, I have a very special guest representing the Green Bay Packers. It's Ramblin' Matt Ramage. If you haven't heard of him, he runs two podcasts, has uh, collectively around 250,000 followers. He runs a Green Bay Packers podcast called The Matt Ramage Show. And he also runs one called "Let's Drink Wisconsin." Matt, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
3: Hey, I appreciate you having me, man.
1: I was I was honestly super excited when you agreed to do it. I was like, no way! And a fellow, a friend of mine, and a fellow Packer fan to you named Ed uh, was pretty upset because he wanted the slot, but I told him it was spoken for. Uh,
3: yeah, I'm making enemies over here, but. With your friends. So,
1: <laughs> so go ahead, uh, tell us a little bit about the Matt Ramage Show and uh, Let's Drink Wisconsin.
3: Well, my show, the, the Matt Ramage Show, I, I do a, a, a live podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And uh, I have guests on. Like, I, I've had some Packer players. I have like Packer beat writers that come on. And then just like some friends. We joke around. But mostly, I'm, I'm just trolling. Like, a, lot, a lot of it's just smack talk. Talking about the the Bears and the Vikings, and the Lions, and uh, everything related to the Packers and uh, the Let's Drink Wisconsin. That's not a podcast yet. That's just uh, like I'm I'm building a social media presence, and I want to actually help like other Wisconsin podcasters, like promote them, and like just help people when I can. That's why I created the second page to kind of try to lift some people up that uh, maybe don't have the viewership and uh, that 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 deserve it. So I want to try to help people.
1: Well, and I, I, you know, and that's. You coming on the show, That's uh, I kind of am getting that from you, but that's awesome that you do that. Uh, people with smaller followings, you're looking to help them out, and that just speaks a lot about your character. And like I said, uh, before we got on the air here, I, I talked about this video that uh, Matt Ramage posted on his page, where it was the first one that I saw ever of him. I had no idea who it was, but it's a hunting video, and I've showed several of my friends, and they all laugh their asses off. So if you get a chance, uh, jump on one of these pages, give it a follow. He has really, really good content, and uh, and he isn't lying when he said it's mostly trolling stuff. The the bears still suck is a comment that I see pop up on a ton of pages, and who's posting it? None other than the verified Matt Ramage, and it, it makes me. It never gets old. Makes me laugh every time you do it because it's pissing off just so many people.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think it that's like a huge, thing. the Bears' still fuck thing is like a like a long time Packer thing, like the Packer-Bear rivalry. There's nothing like it. I, I absolutely love. Like a, I, I, I talk a lot of trash about the Bears, but like a, I respect Bear fans. Like I go back and forth with them, but like Viking fans, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't respect that at all, so but the Bears are like a historic franchise. Like I, it's a rivalry, but it's it, it's all love. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of share that same thing with the Dolphins, and I just hate the Patriots as a Buffalo fan. But I respect the Dolphins yeah. fans, and I don't think that the Patriots can the, – the Patriot fans, I don't think most of them can tell me one player from the team pre-2001. Yeah,
3: I, I, I say that a lot about the Patriots fans. like <laughs> Especially ones who don't live in Boston or that area. Like someone who lives in like Florida, but they're Patriots fans. Like I can't respect that. No, it, so, I mean, some are good. I'm not going to say everyone. You don't have to be a fan of the team in your city. But like, I don't know. It seems like a lot of them just popped up
1: when Tom Brady showed up. Yeah, that's for sure. Especially like when you reference out of the area fans. Uh it's not that they're transplants from the Boston or New England area, but they're just they just jumped on when the team began winning, you know, however many division titles in a row. I don't know. I watched it for so long. When Brady went to the NFC, it was probably the greatest day of my football life because I didn't have to look at him twice a year and watch him just shred the Bills secondary time and time again. So it's been a little bit of a relief yeah. for me, honestly.
3: Yeah. I, 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 Bill fans, like I, I, I've been celebrating. <laughs> <one> <laughs> it's, left,
1: uh, it's been a good few years, you know, we hope Allen's the guy and, and I know, uh, you know, we have uh, the fan rant coming up. So obviously Matt's going to get into his take on the Packers and why they can win it all this year. And clearly, you know, the question marks surrounding Green Bay, I'm sure, are going to be addressed. So let's get it started. Matt, you have three minutes or less. You can take as much time as you want, though. I've just been saying that to everybody. Uh, actually, before we start, where are you calling from exactly?
3: I'm about 30 minutes north of Green Bay.
1: So in Wisconsin. All right. So yeah. we're going to, what I'm going to do, like I said, you're going to be on the clock here and convince me and the listeners why the Green Bay Packers can hoist the Lombardi Trophy once again here in the 2021-2022 season.
3: All right, here we go. Uh, first of all, the thing everyone's talking about is, is Aaron Rodgers. He will be back. Like, I, I've been saying that, I guarantee it. I could go on a 15-minute rant about that alone. But uh, I think he'll be back. There's a rumor that uh, even he uh, re-upped his golf Membership at the local Green Bay golf course. I don't know if that's true or not, or even if it matters because I don't think money's a big factor for him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, all his friends, like uh, James Jones, a lot of the people that he still talks to, say that he's they think that it's fixable and that he'll be coming back. So I, I fully believe he'll be coming back, even though everyone says I'm delusional. But um, I think he'll be back. And the last two seasons, the Packers were an NFC Championship game. Um, Matt Lafleur sent tired. He's twenty-six and six in the regular season. Uh, the this defense is, is going to be better. The, the pass rush with Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Jairus Smith. Rashawn Gary came on hard last year. He's uh, I think I think the pass rush is going to be really good. They got they drafted a young corner early, uh, opposite of Jair uh, Alexander. I, I think that that's so important because there wasn't really someone on the other side, so they could just avoid Jair. So if, if that kid pans out, I think it's going to be great. They drafted uh Amari Rodgers I think it gives Rogers another weapon. And, and not only that, I think that opens up the offense for like, Packer fans. So if, when Randall Cobb was in Green Bay, like he, he could do all types of stuff. They put him in the backfield. They kind of moved him around the slot. Like he could go all over. And uh, they, they had similar guys like that sense, but I don't think that they really had a true, true guy that, that can do it all. And, and from what I'm hearing about Amari Rogers is like, he could run the ball if he needed to. He can move around. He can go to the spot. He can do all types of stuff. And he, he, he's a big stud. So, uh, I I, do, I do think the Packers they're they're built to win. That's why I think Rogers come back too. Cause I think that this is the best spot for, him to, for the from the play. It's it, it's a third year with Matt Lafleur. I think this offense, like obviously Rogers knows like the back of his hand now. Um, and the Packers honestly playing a weak division. The Bears are trash. Uh, you got they they drafted a young quarterback, uh, Justin Fields. I don't think that. Uh, I, th- I think that he could be good, but I don't think he's going to do much this season because I don't think any young quarterback does. And they said they're going to start Andy Dalton. The Vikings are Kirk Cousins, so that's just a wash. Like Vikings <laughs> are trash. And the Lions, the Lions are the Lions. I, 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 don't like to, I don't like to talk back about the Lions because I feel bad for them a little bit, you know what I mean? But uh, the, the Lions don't worry me, even though they're trying to take a bunch of package plays over there. Jamal Williams, who I really like, I think he'll be good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the, the Packers are taking it. Uh, there's no reason why they can't go to the Super bowl and win it this year this past season they could have very easily beat the Bucks. uh they they shot themselves in the foot over and over again it's like they didn't want that game but uh, to me the Packers were the best team in the nfc this year but uh tom brady is uh he's something and that uh, i not even on the field because he threw three picks with that team uh with that defense the bucks are great and uh I think Brady's just a really great leader and he's great at getting the most out of all the people and I needed to help them uh, to beat the Packers.
1: Yeah, I would, uh, I remember watching that game and it was like the, the turnovers going on was just insane to me. And I think that game was on actually right before, uh, Buffalo Baltimore. So I would have been tailgating out at my fire and I had it playing. I was streaming it on my phone and listening to it, but, uh, yeah, because like Green Bay, we like the tailgate in the cold here in uh, Northwestern Pennsylvania, you know, towards southwestern New York. So we, you know, the Packers and the Bills have that in common too.
3: Yeah, I am going to ask you while I am well, talking to a, a great Bills fan because I I got I got a lot of respect for Bills fans. So that that jumping on tables, smashing tables thing, how did that start? I am kind of
1: curious. I I honestly have never been thrown through a table or thrown anybody through a table. The reason I think it started... Well, the first of all, the Bills tailgate, like the lot, just the whole thing, like everything going on around that stadium prior to kickoff is chaos. If When they have night games, there's campers in the lots the day before. Like literally spending the night there, tailgating all throughout the day and then heading into the night game. Of course, up until recently, night games weren't very common in Orchard Park, so... That was, uh, you know, it, that was something to be celebrated in itself when they got a home primetime game. Now, you know, they're getting four or five a year uh, because they're improving and people enjoy watching them. So but the table thing, I honestly think it was just like some idiots just being idiots okay. and they did what they did. It went viral and it just became like the thing. I mean when they had their first playoff game in 20 some years uh, or 19, 17 years I'm sorry against Jacksonville in 2017 the stores around the Jacksonville area knew that there was a huge Bills fan presence and they put all their tables away they wouldn't sell them because they knew they were just going to get smashed
3: Oh really Yeah so <laughs> yeah it was
1: it's it's uh i i think it's funny i see the comedy in it and stuff but there's also like a lot of people who are like what is wrong with you guys and i'm like it's not all of us i promise you <laughs> like i go up there and have a good time
3: I, I think it's
1: fun. yeah it is fun but i, I like the fact that I these would. people don't get injured is amazing they just pop right back up and i suppose it's you know they're f- so alcohol fueled at that point that it's uh they don't feel it, but probably like the next morning when they wake up, they're like, "Fuck, my back hurts like crazy right now." <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I,
3: I do that. I I get, I get hurt too easy. I get hurt just getting out of bed. I can't be throwing
1: myself. Yeah, day. I'm 37 now, so like I just golfed 18 holes the other night, and I was like, "Man, my legs hurt. I'm I'm tired," and I rode in a cart. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just hell getting old. But yeah, so you won't see me. Yeah, I, did... I, I love that because
3: I think. Go ahead. I, say, I, I think the
1: pack. Past-
3: they're very similar, like, tailgate-wise. Like, we don't throw each other to tables, but, like, tailgating at Lambeau Field, there's, like, there's nothing like it. There's, like, I when I go to when I go to games, I usually don't even set up my own stuff. I just go around and walk around, and you, like, you can just find a group of people, especially, like, me, because a few people will, will recognize me. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's like you have new friends. Even if they don't, though, like, it, it, at Lambeau Field, like, you could just be, start talking to someone, and then you start drinking some beers with them, and like it, it's like you knew them forever just talking about the game everything that, it, it, it's just fantastic. I, I, I assume the Bills are similar, like, small market teams. Yeah, it is. I, I get a lot with Bills times for that reason. And, like, you, you guys been through some, like, the history of the Bills is wild. Pretty like, brutal. Super Bowl, so many years of struggling and never, like, ever lost a fan. Like, the, they're always full, they're always loud, they're always loyal. Like, it's, you, you just got to respect
1: it. Uh, I appreciate all that. Yeah, uh, we did the AFC East last week. Uh, on the fan rant and Mike Boyd, buddy of mine who actually lives in the same town as me. He did an awesome job and it was, it was just very well thought out, very well said, and he won the vote. So he'll be moving on. And and that's actually, he won the vote and this podcast is not bills geared. I mean, they, my listeners know who I like and they know I'm usually a Homer towards them. The majority of the time, but I I talk about everything, you know, this isn't just like a Buffalo bills podcast. It's all things sports. So I try to like, you know, and, and like, uh, I'm going to be, or uh, I'm sorry, in the earlier segments, uh, we talked about Cole Beasley, uh, and his, you know, the, the statement he just made res- uh, regarding protocol and stuff like that. So it's, it's strange that there's even like the fact that the bills make news now is just like fascinating to me in and of itself because I went so long with them just being so irrelevant and nobody gave a shit what any of them had to say or did or any of that. So it's, it's been fun, yeah. you know, with Josh, Josh Allen, I think, has really come to turn that franchise around, and we'll see what happens when he signs his mega contract, if it's going to be keep players around me friendly or if it's going to be uh, break the bank and I'm going to be the only well-paid player on the team for the next 10 years.
3: Yeah, I, I, think, I think he's key. I think uh, he's great. I think he's going to have a, have a great future. Yeah, the, the, the Bills are definitely like on, on the rise. I, think, I don't mean that at all Pete. They were, they were really good last year. Yeah, and I I think they'll be better. I don't know everything about the Bills, but they, they seem like they're they're definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, I think
1: through. so too. So yeah, the AFC is going to be interesting this year with the Chiefs. The Browns are looking like a real real like contender. So and that's so in my area, Matt. That's like Ben, like the the Vikings are your punching bag. Or the Lions, I should say, or, you know, the team you kind of even feel bad about saying anything negative about. That's been the Browns for like my whole life. And now, uh, you know, they're doing things that are, are turning people's heads. And it's almost like in my area where I live is it's such a split decision on who you like. It's Browns, it's Bills, it's Steelers. And the way things are trending, it almost looks like. The Steelers are going to be the weaker of the three, which hasn't happened, I don't think in my lifetime.
3: Yeah, they yeah, the Steelers are uh,
1: always always good. I mean, I, they never miss on draft yeah. picks. they're just always they're always there. they never go away and it's
3: yeah they, yeah, they always have a fighting chance for like things like
1: forever. for sure. So all right, well hey Matt, I'm going to let you go, I really appreciate you calling in uh, everybody. Matt Ramage, check them out, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, you said, right?
3: Yeah, I have, I have a TikTok, but yeah. It's, You're
1: it's all, over, yeah, you have just, but, about, just about any yeah, social media was, outlet. Hopefully
3: I was good, because I actually, like, kind of forgot about doing this. I worked today, and then I got home, and then I was like, so I'm a little tired. So if I was off my game, everyone, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> it sounded pretty good stuff, to me. I played you for great rant.
1: <laughs> well, I thank you again. Thank you. All right, and last but not least, the Minnesota Vikings. Calling to represent the Minnesota Vikings is Brandon Herrera. Brandon, where are you calling from?
0: I am calling from Minnesota. All so right.
1: So Brandon, you have three minutes or less to explain to me and listeners why the Minnesota Vikings can win the Super Bowl this upcoming NFL season. Go ahead.
3: All right, so Minnesota's going to win the Super Bowl because they're going to have a stellar offense led by Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, and uh, Justin Je- Jefferson. They're, you know, I can see two of those being the MVP candidates. And they're going to have a stellar defense with all the guys they signed. It's all going to come together this year for them. And the coaching staff, we're going to put pressure on the quarterback. We're going to get some pick sixes, some sacks. We're going to stop a run game. We're going to have a stellar offensive side of the ball with the run game and passing game. And that is the reason why the Vikings will win the Super Bowl this year.
1: So I don't know if you know this about me, Brandon, but I'm a Buffalo fan. So I'm thankful for, do you think the Diggs trade worked out for both teams?
3: Uh, yeah, That I, I, I believe that. Deal, it's going to work out perfect for both
0: teams. I mean, Diggs showed that he was good, and I said it every year. I want to see Buffalo, Minnesota, in the Super Bowl battle of all four teams.
1: Well, yeah, the zero and four, so <laughs> one of them would have to come away a winner.
3: Yep, exactly.
1: All right, Brandon, thanks for uh, your input.
3: Yeah, no problem.
1: Well, that wraps up the fan rant. NFC North. So next week we will be on to the AFC North. I don't even remember who I have in line for to do those teams, but I'll figure it out by then. But great job, everybody, this week. That was some some good stuff. Uh, we had a guy hang up on us. We had Matt Ramage. You know, uh, we had some some interesting takes this week. Brandon, and I actually found him on a Vikings page because I couldn't find a Vikings fan. I I have like two or three teams I'm gonna have to go searching for a fan, but this worked out. I put a post in a Vikings uh group group, uh, fan group on Facebook and somebody tagged Brandon and he was all about it. So it was cool. Glad he called in. Uh, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back with closing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take this time to thank our sponsors, d9and10sports.com, Jones Pest Control, me, myself, and Rye Podcast. Thank you all for making this possible. Glad to have Kylie back in the studio. We're going to do that again next week, I believe, and every week it's possible for both of us to get together and do it. Always fun having him here and somebody to talk to rather than myself. Still advertising available. If you know of anybody or have heard of anybody, have them get in contact with me. Uh, They if you know me, give them my number, I don't care. Or just have them email jbsports at gmail.com. We can discuss everything there. Next week, AFC South Fan. I'm sorry, AFC North Fan Rant. It's gonna be a good one because that one hits a little close to home here with the Steelers and the Browns. So thank you everybody for listening. See you next time. Till then, stay safe.